Welcome to Mending Fences, a podcast about effective ways to communicate and live with differences. I'm Patrice Bremner. And I'm Jen Hawthorne. We're both family law mediators and collaborative law attorneys, but our conversations go well beyond family law. We explore the personal, interpersonal, legal, and cultural impact of conflict. Hi, welcome back to Mending Fences. I'm Jen Hawthorne, and I am here today with Patrice Brimner. We are going to have a conversation today about when can you start dating? When are you single? And what we tell our clients when they ask us that question in a representation capacity. We you know, toyed with the idea of putting it on the spinning wheel and saving it. But as you're entering this conversation with us, know that Patrice and I have not talked about this at all. We are still experimenting with what it's like to record spontaneously. So Patrice. Yeah, this topic came up just in our chit chat between recordings. And yeah, we just decided let's not even put it on the wheel. We're going to go straight to something we've never talked about with each other. But I know we've both dealt with with clients in different capacities over the years. And it's it's a question that comes up, not so much in mediation, although I have seen it there. For me, it comes up more in the collaborative setting or when I'm working with people in negotiated settlements and they want to know It doesn't happen in every case, but often at some point we'll get that email or that telephone call. You know, can I consider myself separated? Is there a problem with me? Is this going to hurt me? There are lots of different concerns that people might come with, but, you know, the big question is, you know, should I, can I, when, and I, you know, what, what, what happens if I meet somebody? Yeah. So what do you tell people when it comes up, Jen? So it would definitely depend on when in the process and how I'm being asked. Like you just mentioned that it never it doesn't usually come up in mediation. That specific when can I start dating hasn't come up in mediation per se that explicitly. But I always have a significant other conversation with folks about how the children will learn of a new relationship in the future. And so at times dating and new relationships has come up in mediation, but you're right. Most often when I've been asked that question, it is in the context of curiosity about what their legal status is and what that means. And And let's back up just a second, because I think you've probably had these cases in mediation. I have where the people come into the mediation and one of them's already in a new relationship. And then we're mediating, right. Then we're mediating that issue as part of our process we're facilitating conversations about how, what appropriate contact is with the kids and and that sort of thing, which is different than when, to me, that's different than this question of, you know, the, the person who's embarking upon a divorce process and become, and, and comes to their individual attorney with the question of, yeah, is this a good idea? Should I do this? When am I free to do this? And if I'm not, why? And what are the upsides and downsides? Yep. So one of the things that I, if I don't already know this, that I would want to know from a a client, you know, early on in the process, if they're asking me this question, and it might be that it's coming up later when I know this sort of thing, but first and foremost, are they still living together? Are they still living with their spouse? Because if you are still living with the person who you are engaged in this divorce process with, and you're talking about separating, it's not legal advice, but my advice would be to have a conversation with the person that you are still living with. 
Because if there is not agreement that you're already allowed to date, it's going to create problems. And, you know, as you know, Patrice, most of the work that I do, even when I'm representing clients is out of court. And part of the out of court process is being able to engage in conversations, whether it's through mediation, collaboration, um, even lawyer to lawyer negotiation. It's about making sure that they're on the same page with respect to the desire to engage in this amicably. And if someone starts dating too soon and the other person is not prepared for it, doesn't know about it, feels like it is adultery or cheating, that's going to make the out-of-court process so much more difficult. So that's the first level of conversation that I would have with my clients is that it's not whether it's going to be used against them in court. Like That's not my first approach. It's what are you and your spouse, co-parent, whatever relationship you have ongoing, what have your conversations been around dating? So I wasn't, I wasn't going to start with this until I, I just was listening to you, Jen, and realized that I've had cases out of court, like either mediation or collaborative or, you know, just negotiated settlement cases where people were living together. I'm thinking of one case in particular, the people were living together and both had been in relationship. They had an open marriage which by agreement and they'd both had other relationships. But during the divorce process, it was obvious from day one that this was going to be a distraction and that it was going to undermine their ability to come into the meetings together and really be there for the process with each other. And so there were some difficult conversations to have. And in one case in particular that I'm thinking of, the solution was to live separately as soon as possible. And so even in cases where there have been other relationships with full knowledge and with even acceptance of that, it can still be a big distraction. So it might not feel like adultery. beyond acceptance, sometimes folks in open relationships, it's support for the idea that both dating others. Sure. Right, right. So in cases of polyamory, for instance, but, but, but don't be surprised if you as a participant in a process or as a mediator or as a, you know, whatever your role is, I don't think we should be surprised if during a divorce process, those relationships become distractions that can be undermining of the process. And so that's kind of where I start with people is I think kind of like you said, like it's not in Massachusetts, let me start here. There's not a status of separated. You're legally married or you're not. You're either married or divorced. And we have something in Massachusetts called separate support, which is unrelated. It's, well, it's not completely unrelated, but it's confusing to people. It makes them think that that you can become separated, but you cannot. It is not a legal status in Massachusetts. So I think sometimes I'll get that question and I can almost, in my mind, see someone online filling out a dating profile and they want to know, can I call myself separated? And the answer is, well, you can call yourself whatever you want, but you're not legally separated, at least in this jurisdiction. You're either married or divorced. Even if you have filed papers with the court and you're waiting for a judgment, you're still technically legally married. So I try to back up, maybe like you were just saying, Jen, and really talk to people about like, what I've seen happen, and I'll tell people, this is what I've seen happen over the years. I know, you know, you've maybe been unhappy and been wanting to, maybe there's someone you've had in mind or someone that you've already been friendly with. You know, there are all kinds of pulls on on somebody's 
attention. And now they kind of can see the end of this marriage is in sight and they are, you know, looking forward to what comes next, frankly. And, and I ask them to consider like, just, just wait until either this process is over and let yourself be fully engaged in it. Like this is the last thing you're going to do together as married people. You might go on and still be parents together, but this is the last act of the marriage. And think about if there would be a benefit in coming fully into this process with your full attention to it and you know, being fully present with it. And sometimes it's a good idea for people to do that. And frankly, I've seen cases where it was a good idea for people to not do that yep. and to to say, okay, I've heard what you said, Patrice. I take it very seriously. Thank you for your advice and your words of wisdom and your examples of what's happened and you know, or what you've seen over the years with other people. But I really need to do this. And it's turned out to be a very good thing. So yep. I think after the have you talked to your spouse, partner, whoever you're separating from, part of the conversation that I would have with my clients, I also talk about that legal status and how they don't have a life event and what that means in legal terms, including things like taxes and technically, like, I mean, we don't enforce them in this state, but adultery provide guidance on, you know, don't spend down marital assets on anybody new for sure. Be mindful of what you are doing to not create problems for yourself in this process. But I think I fall more into the category. I don't think I've ever told anyone not to date explicitly. I have definitely said you cannot introduce your children to this new person unless there is explicit agreement between you and your co-parent. But I think you are starting to touch on this, that there is potentially for some people a benefit to seeing what else is is going to happen in their after-divorce life and having emotional support potentially. And there's a conversation that we're not having that we're like right on the edge of, of like how much of a role is that new significant other going to play in the process? Both emotionally for both people and as someone in the ear of one of the people. Um, That's one of the pitfalls. And I do try to warn people of that, mm -hmm. that the pitfalls might be just becoming so distracted that they're not. I'm always afraid that people get so distracted in the headiness of a new relationship, maybe, and maybe it's wonderful and and so, you know, just brilliant for them, right? But they mm-hmm. get distracted by that and they're not paying enough attention to the decisions that need to be made in the divorce. And they may rush through a process because they want to just move on. And I get that. I get the the desire to do that. But I, I feel like sometimes I have to pull people back in and say, okay, I really need you. And it's not just what I said earlier about bringing your full presence to the last thing you're doing as a married couple, it's also sound decision-making and not being distracted by a new dating life and a new social life, frankly. It's making sure you're paying attention to co-parenting and that you're making, and this, you know, I think hits people sometimes not well, but in reality, most of the decisions being made in a divorce should be viewed from like, it's an incredible emotionally charged process but they're business decisions, they're financial decisions. And you want to make sure you have a clear head when you are making those financial decisions. That's right. And then you hit on the the next piece, which is, you know, the if you're in a divorce process and you become 
involved in a relationship that becomes serious enough, you're not just casually dating, but you're actually in a relationship, how will that person be responding to the divorce process that you're going through? And if you're going through mediation or a collaborative process, it may take time. Um, A court process will also take time. The thing I've run into the most that can be frustrating as a professional is is when the person outside of the process, the, the new dating relationship, when that person has either gone through a divorce themselves and they have stories to compare and say, well, that's not the way it happened in my divorce and why isn't it happening this way? Or they start to apply pressure because they want it to go faster. And now there's like this, you know, third person in the process who's not present and has, like you said, the ear of one of the participants. I had a case years ago where the new relationship, my client's new relationship worked in a law office and had a lot of opinions about what should be happening legally. Although we were doing an out-of-court process and it was in a different state. So it was really, it made for a lot of conversations that maybe had some benefit between me and my client, but would have otherwise not needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And it just created a lot of, I think, doubt and confusion, frankly, for my client. And then you know, we're talking mostly about what happens when you're dating out of court. I've also been in court, both as a mediator and representing people, where someone's new significant other is coming to hearings for the divorce and the conflict that that can create. So I think overall, if I were to boil down what we're saying about this topic is tread lightly, figure out what your own emotional needs are, figure out what the person you are in a process separating, divorcing from what their emotional needs are to keep things sort of even keel and not ratcheting up hostility and tension where you don't need to. But if you do start dating, be mindful of like how you're involving this person in the divorce process. And I think my best advice is to the best extent possible, keep those things separated. But life has a lot of gray area where this is involved. And I think the other thing I always want people to know is like, I, this isn't something I have any judgment about. If I'm giving somebody feedback on this question, it's not because I believe that they should morally adhere to some particular path. I really want my clients to be happy, but I also want to tell them, this is what I've seen happen, or these are the things that you want to be, questions you want to be asking yourself before you undertake this and then understanding what the legal significance is and isn't. And it is, as as you've been pointing out, it's really different when there are children involved versus when there are not. It's really different if people are still living together or not. It's really different if finances get tangled up in this or not. And one piece we haven't talked about is when the person that someone is now dating is seen as, rightfully or not, the reason for the demise of the marriage by the other person and how much more complicated that can be because there's a lot of scenarios and you know, you're sharing, you don't have any moral judgments about this. I don't think I've been this transparent on this podcast, but I am divorced with kids and I'm in a new relationship and it's a blended situation. And it was extremely complicated. And I think, you know, I learned a lot going through that personally because marriages often don't break down at one point in time. They are breaking down over a period of time. And so people are finding themselves in very different places in terms of having mentally moved on. 
And so if both folks have really mentally moved on from their marriage, dating new people during the process is probably not going to be a huge issue for either person. If it's a marriage that one person has been contemplating the breakdown of and has been recognizing that within themselves for a long time, they might be ready to date, but the other person might still be in shock. And so it's really every single situation should be looked at differently. And there's what would happen in a litigated divorce and there's what happens out of court, but it is something that you really want to, I can't say this strongly enough, be cautious about and think about how it's going to impact. Like don't impulsively one night go on a dating app that, you know, your soon to be ex-spouse might see. Think about the other people involved in your life and how they're going to see what's happening in your new life and how they're going to be reacting to it emotionally. And I think that's how you can best meet your own needs too. Yeah, that's going through divorce. That's really good advice. And I think it's it's really great when we can have these conversations really openly with our clients and talk through all of the the sort of contours of this because it is a complex subject and it's not as simple as, hey, can I call myself separated now? There's right. really more to it than that. And so if you're if you're in that situation, talk to your lawyer and get the feedback and find out in your jurisdiction if it does mean anything legally. It doesn't. So here it really doesn't, it won't be held against you by the court, but it can complicate for you personally the process. And the last perspective we haven't talked about is what happens with the new person that you're dating when they find out that you are not legally married. So that relationship, is that a way you want to start a new relationship? How are you going to address that? And how are you protecting yourself from future heartache if you are not fully disclosing your actual status? Oh, so you said legally married, but I think you meant legally divorced. When the person finds out- Oh yes, I'm sorry, I meant legally divorced. When When they find out you are still legally married. Yes. Yes, that is what I meant. Yeah. This was a great conversation, Jen. Yeah. Yeah, it was, Patrice. And we'll keep talking. Yes, we will.